When you're in a time of struggle, you wonder, does God care? Uh, does he even know I exist? Does he even know my name? Why won't he answer my prayers? I feel like my prayers don't even get above the ceiling. If you're not a believer, you have to understand that God's silence does not mean there is no God. Now, we all have a little bit of hypocrisy when it comes to this whole thing. Let me tell you something about you that I know. There was a day in your life. There was a night. There was a weekend. There was a spring break. There was a date. There was a business trip. When God was the furthest thing from your mind, you weren't praying for, oh God, may I feel you with me here. You wanted to keep God as far away from you and your deal as you could. Isn't it amazing that when we don't want God's presence, we know how to keep him away? But when we're in a struggle and we want him, you think, God, say something. A no would be better than nothing. Keep praying. You should always pray and not give up. Jesus share, or Luke shares a parable that Jesus tells in Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now Jesus tells a lot of parables and uh, many of them are just a story he tells and there's no explanation about it. Some of them, are, there's a, a, a parable he tells, and then there's a long explanation afterwards of what it means. Some of them, most common, is he tells a story, and then there's just a, a one-line explanation. Here's one where we get the explanation up front. You should always pray and not give up. So here's the story. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Not what you're looking for in a judge. No morals and no compassion. This judge's gavel never banged out of respect for God or concern about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Now, a widow represents uh, the helpless people in society. She probably lived alone. Maybe she had no family, probably didn't have a job. There was no way she had the resources to bribe the judge. And likely she had no representation bringing her case before him. She was armed with nothing but the fact that she was probably in the right and she had tenacious persistence. The widow never gave up. Every morning she was first in line at his bench. Every evening she waited for him at the door, pleading her case. But he refused. 
But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The judge finally granted her request, not out of respect for God, not, out, not because he cared about her, but for self-preservation. He thought she keeps bothering me. She's wearing me out. And who knows, some night she might do something to me. In the end, he did what she asked to get rid of her. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjudged says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Uh, Jesus is not saying that God is like the unjust judge. He doesn't care about you. He just, but just keep badgering him and maybe he'll give in. No, he is making uh, this parable. He's making the how much more argument. If a wicked man will sometimes do good, even if from bad motives, how much more will a loving God do right? Even if an unjust judge can do justice, how much more can we expect our holy and loving God to do good for us? When we pray and see no sign of God answering, it's easy for us to get discouraged and give up. So the point I'm making today is that you should always pray and not give up. It seems to me that the parable raises some questions about prayer. Let me raise two of them with you. First, why do we give up praying so easily? I get why we get discouraged. We all get discouraged. But why do we quit praying so quickly? I, thought, well, I think one reason might be because you just don't do it. You don't plan for it. You don't schedule it. You say, I'm too busy to pray. Well, really, what the problem is, is you don't plan to pray. You don't put it in your schedule. A speaker was speaking at a couple's retreat. Uh, there were 175 couples, and he's, he was talking about the importance of praying together. And he says, how many of you regularly pray together? 17 raised their hands. 10%. I think when it comes to prayer, we should always be aware that Satan doesn't want us to pray. He's involved with this. The Apostle Paul writes, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. He says, don't overlook the input that the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. They don't want you to pray. They know how powerful prayer is. So they'll do anything they can to keep you busy, focused on everything else except praying. The second reason you may give up praying so easily might be because you do not pray specifically. By this I mean maybe you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray. If you play, pray general prayers like God bless our country, Bless my family. Bless my job. That's a general prayer. It's pretty difficult to know whether or not God answered that prayer. 
But if you pray, God, help me to see this girl. She's in none of my classes. I like her. I'd like to ask her out, but I never see her. Help me to see her today. Or help me get a chance to talk to my boss about my proposal. You've made a proposal. It's worked its way up the chain of command, and you realize it'll never go forward unless the owner signs off on it. But you can't just walk into the boss's office. And so you think maybe between a break between meetings, maybe in the break room, you might just see him. God, help me to see him so I can talk about this. Or God, help me get the sale. I've been working on on this this sale for weeks. And I'm seeing the client tomorrow. Help me close the deal. In those cases, when you're specific, you have a pretty good idea God was involved if your prayer is answered. Dr. Paul Young Cho is the pastor of the largest church in the world, 850,000 members in Seoul, Korea. He's 85 years old. He went to a uh, church in another city in, in Korea, and uh, he was speaking there, and the pastor said, I want you to pray with this girl. She's 30 years old. She wants to be married, but she can't find the right guy, and she's so discouraged. So Paul got together with her, and he says, well, what are you looking for in a husband? She says, I will marry any guy God brings me. He says, well, God doesn't answer those kinds of prayers. God gives you the desires of your heart. So what kind of guy are you looking for? So he said, all right, take a piece of paper, write from one to ten on there, So, do you want him to be Asian, European, or African? She says, European. How tall do you want him to be? Six feet or taller. Uh, What do you want his profession to be? I want him to be a teacher. What do you want his hobby to be? I want it to be music. She did a list of ten. He says, now, take that, put it where you're going to see it every day, and you pray for that man. So every day she would pray for that man she'd outlined that she was looking for. Well, he came back to this city about a year later, and uh, the pastor said to him, she's married. Who's married? This, the, lady, the girl you prayed for. He said, it was amazing. About three weeks after you prayed with her, this American came to our church. He sang. He had a beautiful voice. He played the piano. And uh, all the girls were swooning after him, but he wasn't interested in any of them. Then this girl walked in, and he took an immediate interest. He asked her out on a date, and within a week, he had proposed to her. God answers prayers that are specific so that we'll know that when he answered, that he was involved and will give him the glory. Still a third reason you may give up praying easily is because you do not have faith. You pray, nothing happens, you quit. Prayer is not a hundred meter dash. It's not fast and flashy. It's a marathon of steady requests. Jesus ends this parable with a short one-line observation. However, 
when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's talking about when he comes again, will he find people faithfully still praying? If he came today, would he find us faithfully praying? I think he's suggesting that when people stop praying, it shows a lack of faith. You don't think he's going to do anything. Faithful people continue to pray. Luke tells a fascinating story about John the Baptist in Luke 7. John's disciples told him about all these things. What things? This is John the Baptist. His followers told him about the things that Jesus was doing. Jesus was curing lepers. He was healing the blind. He was raising people from the dead. He was casting out demons. Calling two of them, John calling two of his disciples, he sent them to the Lord, Jesus, to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now, why does he say this? Remember, John the Baptist is the one who prepared the way for the Lord Jesus. He's the one that introduced him to the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why is he now asking, is he really the the Son of God? Is he really the Messiah? I'll tell you why. John rebuked Herod for marrying his brother's Philip's wife. And Herod did not like John meddling in his business, so he threw him in prison. He threw him in prison in a place called Mercurus. Mercurus is on the east side of the Jordan River. It's out in the desert area. Uh, it's in the middle of the desert. Here's the view that John would see if they ever got a, a, a break, if they ever let him out of the dungeon. Uh, and uh, this is what he would see. Just barrenness everywhere. Now, if you're Jesus and John the Baptist, who prepared the way for you, is put in prison, what would you do? Visit him? Send him a gift in prison? Instead, Jesus goes the opposite direction to Capernaum. Capernaum is on the Sea of Galilee. It's a resort community. I mean, there are all kinds of four-star hotels around the Sea of Galilee. When our uh, third son, Luke, uh, graduated from college, for his graduation present, I took him on a 10-day trip to Israel. Jory and I are going to take a trip uh, to Israel with any of you in the church that want to go. We have some people that are not from the church that are going. And uh, uh, we're going to spend four nights on the Sea of Galilee. It's going to be like spokes of the wheel. That's where we'll be at night, and then we'll go out to Nazareth and different places. To a kibbutz. And you're all welcome to come if if you'd like to come. So... John is in prison for a year and Jesus doesn't visit him and he begins to think, do you care? Do you even know I'm in here? Why don't you answer my prayers to get out of prison? I thought you would care more. When you're hanging out in Mercurus, you begin to wonder if God is there and he knows about you. Luke ends this account about John the Baptist 
sending a delegation to ask Jesus if he's the Messiah, with Jesus saying these words, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed are you when you don't give up praying, when you don't get an answer. Blessed are you when you don't stop believing in me when things get rough in your life. I talk to all kinds of people and I ask them like, hey, uh, where are you with uh, God? Where where are you when it comes to faith? Uh, Where where are you with the whole uh, Jesus Christ deal? And I've had people answer me, lots of people answer me like, oh, I gave up on God when my mom got cancer and I prayed for him to heal her. But she died. I stopped believing in God when my dad got in a car accident and he was rushed to the hospital. I pleaded with him to heal my dad. And God didn't do squat. I gave up faith when my son OD'd on drugs. So this leads to the second question. I think this parable raises about prayer. Why do some prayers go unanswered? You prayed for resolution in your marriage, but it ended in divorce. You prayed to have a baby, but it's been six years. You prayed for your husband to stop drinking, but nothing changed. You prayed to meet someone to marry, but it's been five years. You pleaded with God to grant you a job during this year of COVID, but almost the entire year you've been unemployed. None of us fully understand why some of our prayers go unanswered, but let me offer two possible reasons. One, it may not be the right time. Maybe it's not the right time because God has to do some work in your life or you have to make some changes in your life. Or maybe the person you're praying for is not available yet. My senior year in college, I began dating a a gal. She worked with me right over here at Valley Community Presbyterian Church. I headed up their uh, youth program for four summers, and she was one of my leaders. Uh, Had we kept dating, I assumed we would have gotten married. We got to the end of that summer, and I went off to Chicago to seminary and came back and saw her. She lived here in Portland, and we had a great Christmas uh, week together, and then on the final night, she says, hey, I think we should put the brakes on our relationship. If you've known me a while, you've heard me tell this story before, but you got to understand, this was an important uh, point in my life and in my faith journey. And I soon found that, you know, there were no calls, no letters, nothing. She meant stop. And I remember getting beside my bed Every day and praying on my knees, God, please bring us back together. Please have her change her mind. And for two months, I kind of felt sorry for myself and moped around. And after two months, I was reading in Matthew 7, one day, Jesus was talking about, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a snake? If he asks you for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? He says, no, of course not. 
And then he says, how much more will your Father in heaven? He's using this how much more uh, argument again. If, a, if your Father on earth will give you will give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I realize God only gives good gifts. I've been pleading with him to get back with my girlfriend. That's not happening. Maybe it means he wants me to be single, and that's a good gift for me. Or maybe he has somebody better for me. Well, I was leading a Young Life club at the time, and it had grown so rapidly that I called Young Life, and I said, I need a new head girl leader. So that next, so that next week, we always had a leaders meeting before the club and dinner, and, and uh, we had 12 leaders, and up the stairs came the new leader that they had sent, Jory. I looked at her. She was beautiful. Well, just before that time, her husband had died of cancer. She got married young in college, and right after their marriage, he was identified with inoperable spinal cancer. She begged God to heal him, but he didn't make it. She was grieving. Well, she was studying to be a school teacher, so she had that kind of what she was going to do with her life going, but she wondered, uh, uh, the guy she was married to was studying to be a pastor, so she was preparing to be a pastor's wife, but now she was wondering, well, what do I do in service to God? So she thought, well, maybe I'll, uh, uh, she went to Young Life in high school, so she thought, maybe I'll volunteer with Young Life. And so she had just volunteered, and they sent her to our club. When I was pleading with God those two months, she wasn't available yet. She was grieving and just thinking about how she might volunteer for God. Two, another possible reason God doesn't answer your requests is because you're asking for something that is not good for you. Jesus says God only gives good gifts. Maybe what you're asking for is not good for you. Most of you know that Tori and I have nine children. We started out with five boys and then four girls. It was like a sea chain. We changed. We we raised five boys and then we flipped to four girls. And I remember with all five boys at some point, them coming into the bathroom when I was shaving in the morning. And they would stand and watch, and they were so fascinated. I particularly remember our fifth son, Mark. He loved it. And I looked at him one day. I was shaving, and I said, how old are you? I said, is your, is your beard long and hairy? Yeah. You need to start? Yeah. And so I gave him some shaving cream in the cup of his hand, and he put it all over his face, on his nose, forehead. He loved it. He was laughing the whole time. Did I give him a razor blade to shave? Of course not. That wouldn't be a good gift. Did I give him my blade to let him have for the day? Of course not. <laughs> Tam shaking your head, yes. God doesn't say that's a terrible request. I'll give it to you to prove a point. God only gives good gifts. He doesn't grant requests that are not good for us. When Jesus tells us to ask and you will receive, it's not an unconditional promise. Whatever you get, you, you, you can have. That's turning prayer like into magic. Snap your fingers and it'll happen. 
No, the condition of the promise is we must ask for good things that will bring honor to God. Thank God God has not granted some of my requests that weren't good. You may be facing a difficult time. You wonder where God is. You wonder if God even knows about the problems you're facing. I assure you he knows and he loves you. Don't give up and don't quit praying. You should always pray and not give up. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, why would the Apostle Paul get conceited? Well, God called him to take the message of Christ to the Gentiles. And he began going from city to city all through the Roman Empire. And he planted churches and thousands of people gave their lives to Christ. He wrote over half the letters in the New Testament. That's why he could become conceited. Next to Jesus Christ, he was the most influential man ever to live on this earth. So that I wouldn't become conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, we don't know what it was. It was some sort of physical thing. Maybe his eyesight he was losing. Maybe, you know, he couldn't walk very well. We, we don't know. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. I said, God, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep traveling if you don't take this away from me. I'm too exhausted to talk to all these people and to preach every day and to write these letters. But he said to me, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God said, I'm not going to take away whatever the physical problem is, but I'm going to give you my grace. So what did Paul do? Did he whine that God did not answer his prayer? Did he quit believing in God? Did he stop praying? Did he mope around? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, whatever that physical problem was, so that Christ's power may rest on me. He said, I'll accept it. I'll live with it. I'll quit complaining. I'll glory in it. I'll make it my story. When other people said, hey, did you hear about Paul? I mean, he's looking pretty sick. People say, well, yeah, he talks about it all the time. He's made it part of his story. He doesn't keep it as a secret. Sometimes God in his wisdom decides that what you ask for is not good for you. But he's going to do something else. He's going to give you an extra measure of his grace to help you through. He decides that that will be better for you and bring more glory to him. So lean in on his grace. Nevertheless, you should always pray and not give up. Don't assume that because God is silent that he's not there or he doesn't care about you. He loves you deeply like the woman in the parable. Keep praying. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for this story you tell that tells us that we should not give up but keep praying. Forgive us for giving up so quickly. We get discouraged and feel like, yeah, you're not going to do it, so we just quit asking. So we commit ourselves to praying this week. I want you to pray right now. Tell God specifically what you would like him to do for you. Let him know your request. And then commit that you will pray every day. And if you've never given your life to Christ, you can invite him in to become your Lord and thank him for dying for your sins. Invite him into your life right now. You pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you not only created this world, but you invite us to talk to you, to pray to you. You want us to tell you everything we're thinking and what we need and be specific. And so we promise to do that this week. Help us not become discouraged and give up. In Jesus' name.